I used to love fish sticks. I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed uh, fish sticks. Uh, if you've ever looked at the nutritional value on the back of a box of fish sticks, you'll know why my doctor won't let me eat them anymore. But back in the 60s, we were blissfully unaware of cholesterol and uh, saturated fats and all that other good stuff we try to stay away from today. I didn't know any of that. I just knew I loved fish sticks. They were mostly crust with something reasonably close to fish-like substance in the middle of them. But they were delicious, especially when they were cooked just to the point of burning. There's just nothing like a crispy fish-like object to quell the hunger of a nine-year-old boy. Had I lived in the New Testament day... In the area of the Sea of Galilee, the story that's here recorded in Mark chapter 6 is also recorded in all of the other Gospels as well. It might have been about the five loaves and two fish sticks. No matter, though, Jesus could have done a miracle even if they were fish sticks, and they would have been healthy. The miracle we often call the feeding of the 5,000 teaches many things about Jesus. But there's one thing it teaches about us that we all need to understand. Give your fish sticks to Jesus. How much do you have this morning? The story begins on a negative note. Jesus had his disciples gathered together. They had tried to get away from the crowds by going across the Sea of Galilee, but the crowds followed them. They went even faster than they did, and when they got to the other shore there, the crowds were Again, the crowds were so large and the need was so great, none of them had time to eat. The disciples and uh, Jesus worked with the crowd. They listened to Jesus teach the crowd that day. Jesus had compassion on them. He, He sought to help them in every way that he could. But the day grew long and the disciples got concerned or maybe they just got hungry. Whatever the case. They thought it was time for a break. We're going to pick up the story at verse 35. By this time, it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread And give it to them to eat. Now, of course, as always, the disciples know better than Jesus. (laughs) It was late. They were tired. They were hungry. The crowd was tired. They were hungry. They needed to get to town before all the good restaurants closed. Actually, they, they likely didn't really care where the people went. They just wanted to get something to eat. But Jesus wasn't buying it. He gives them this extraordinary answer to their problem. You give them something to eat. Now, this was not the answer the disciples were expecting. Maybe they thought that Jesus would say, well, I'm not quite through with my teaching yet, so we're going to go on a little longer. Or maybe they thought he would say, well, well, uh, maybe we should all stay in the same area and, and I'll finish the teaching tomorrow. Or maybe they thought that Jesus would agree because they knew that he was hungry too. But they didn't see what Jesus said coming. You give them something to eat. Maybe 
they thought, how could this be? I mean, come on, Lord. It's really not any surprise that they protested when Jesus said this. They, they, they looked out at this great crowd of people and they said, this would take eight months of a man's wage to feed them. Are we going to spend that much on bread to give them something to eat? Now, several things surprised me about what they said. First, where'd they come up with that exact number? Eight months of a man's wages. Actually, in the original text, it's even more exact than this translation. The, the exact translation is 200 denarii. Where'd they come up with that? Did they count noses and then go by the McDonald's drive through and look on the dollar menu and count up how much that would cost? Most scholars actually think they guessed far too low. We learn later on in the passage that there were 5,000 men gathered there that day. If you add in the women and the children, there could have been more than 10,000 people in that crowd that day. 200 denarii wouldn't have begun to cover that. But when we're tired and hungry, sometimes our judgment's not quite what it should be. We think we know more than we do. The disciples thought they had it all figured out. Jesus should just send these folks away. But Jesus knew better. So he follows up his statement to them, you feed them, with a question. Verse 38, how many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two Fish. Now, we know from John's account of this miracle that the disciples didn't even have that much. They looked in their pockets and their robes were empty. They had nothing. So they kind of scattered around in the crowd a little bit. And they found a young boy who his mom had sent him with his sack lunch. And in this sack lunch, there were five loaves and two fish. Now, they weren't actually loaves of bread like the loaves of bread you buy at Walmart. They were more like our biscuits. Actually, they were more like what my family used to call silver dollar pancakes. You know, the little pancakes that you make like that. That's probably what these were, more like that. And the fish, these weren't catfish. They They were probably about the size of sardines. It was barely enough even to feed this young boy. How could that little sack lunch Feed so many people. So often that's how we approach God's call on our life. Now most people think, well, aren't just preachers called? Well, we are. But the reality is, if you know Jesus today, you're called as well. You you have a call upon your life. Jesus saved you to serve in his kingdom. He saved you to use the gifts and talents that you have in ways that he will direct you to use them. So there's a calling on your life this morning if you know the Lord. And, and most of us realize that. We may not say it with that kind of terminology, but we realize that there's some things that God wants us to be doing. But, but sometimes we approach those callings in our life the same way that the disciples said. You know, we take a look at what we've got and we say, Lord, this just isn't enough. God lays on our Heart, a hurt in our community, some situation, some tragedy, some issue. And we, we take a look at the enormity of that issue and we think, I don't have enough to do anything to impact that. This little sack of stuff, 
that I've got in my hand. That's just a drop in the ocean of what's needed. Lord, how can I do that? And by the way, Lord, if I give away my fish and my biscuits, I won't have any. But we're forgetting something. We know the one who owns the store. Remember when you were a kid and you go to the ice cream store, your mom and dad would take you, and they'd take you up to that big window and there'd just be all kinds of different ice cream there, just every kind of flavor you can imagine. And and your mom and dad would say those dreaded words, only one scoop. (laughs) And you were thinking in your mind, wouldn't it be great if dad owned the ice cream store? (laughs) I could have scoops of everything. I could bring my friends over and they could have scoops of everything. Well, guess what? Your father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Your father created everything. Your father owns it all. And we're worried about hanging on to our little bag. We all need the lesson of this miracle. Whatever it is you've got in your bag. You may look in that bag and say, well, it's not much. Just a few little slices of bread and a couple of sardines. What good is that going to be? No, don't look at it that way. Whatever you have, give it to Jesus. And watch what happens. This miracle is recorded in all four of the Gospels. I think for at least two reasons. First, it had an obvious impact on the people who saw it. This was not something you would ever forget. But second, the disciples realized this miracle had a lesson that every believer needs to understand. Now again, you you remember the familiar account. Verse 39 describes what happened. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Jesus takes these two little sardines and five biscuits, barely larger than five crackers. And he starts passing them out to the disciples, who then begin to pass them out to the people. All 5,000 plus. Just the distribution would have been amazing. Like I said, this was something that nobody would ever forget. As the disciples would, would see Jesus filling up their basket, and they'd run out, and they'd empty it amongst all the people. They'd come back. Jesus would fill it up again. They'd run out. and empty. You would never forget what you saw that day, and they didn't. And then what was even more amazing As they finally work their way out, get to the the last of the crowd, they realize 
there's going to be a mess here. <laughs> there's lots of leftovers. And so they say, well, don't, don't just leave it out here on the field. We'll put it in our basket and we'll see if anybody else wants any more. And so when people have eaten their full, they, they, they begin to put stuff back in the baskets. And all 12 of the disciples come back to Jesus with a full basket. No wonder they couldn't forget what happened. Could you? Folks, that's what happens when we take what we have and we dedicate it to Jesus. As I get older, I become more and more interested in investment strategies, which is actually the exact opposite of what you should do. When you're 20 years old, a 401k seems like something you don't really need to worry all that much about. When you're in your 50s, you start worrying about it a little bit more. And again, that's the exact opposite of how it should be. The guys who worried about it in their 20s are the guys who retire in their 50s. It's the magic of compound interest. Over time, that 401k grows. When you're in your 50s, the window for investment starts closing. Now, it's still a good idea. In fact, you begin to realize just how important all those investments really are. But the amounts that you need become astronomical the older that you get. If you invest $1,000 a year at 8% interest starting at the age of 20, by the time you're 65, you'll have $421,000 plus. To get that same amount starting when you're 55, instead of $1,000 a year, you would need to invest $30,000 a year. The best investment strategy anyone could follow, no matter your age, start yesterday. <laughs> now, investment strategies are important. Don't get me wrong. I'm not making fun of it, and I'm certainly not discounting it. If you don't have one, you need to go out and get one. Actually, Lifeway has several plans available there, uh, written by some folks. that We've actually used some of the materials here in the church. Dave Ramsey has some good books. Ron Blue has some good books. There are several others that you can buy. Having an investment strategy is important for you and your family. I'm not discounting that this morning. But as important as having an investment strategy is, what this miracle teaches is even that much more important. Let Jesus use what you have. Now, you may think, well, I don't have that much that Jesus could really use. I'm not a gifted musician. I'm not a gifted teacher. I I, I don't know the Bible that well. You can come up with all the kinds of things that you don't have. That's what the disciples did when Jesus said, feed all these people. And they're saying, Lord, we don't even begin to have enough to feed all these people. What are you talking about? We, we always focus, when Jesus calls us to do something, we always focus on what we don't have, on the reasons why we can't do that. Wrong place to focus. Instead, take what you have, whatever it is, whatever gifts and talents that God has given you, whatever resources God has provided in your life, take those and say, Lord, I don't have much, but what I have, is yours to use 
as you see fit. And what happens when we do that? Jesus takes our limited resources and he makes them limitless. Or to think about this in another way, how much could Jesus accomplish through you if you did this? If, if you took what you have, whatever resources, whatever talents, whatever gifts that God has placed in your life, and you said, okay, Lord, I don't have much, but what I have, I dedicate to you. And, and you, you lead me in whatever way you want me to use these for your glory, and I'll do that. What, what, what could Jesus do if we did that? He fed 5,000 plus people with a little boy's lunch. What could he do through you? Well, again, the question boils down to how much are we willing to let Jesus use? What are we willing to place in the Savior's hands and say, Lord, I know it's not much. But what I have is yours to use. Because there's no question about what the Savior can do through you. For, for 20 years, I, I've shared with you a little statement. And I don't know if you read the little articles that I write in the, the newsletter. But, but always in it the same way, and there's a reason why. Always in it by saying, I can't wait to see what God is going to do through you. That's because I see this principle in the lives of those of you that have been willing to do that. I see people teaching Sunday school classes who started out saying, I can't do this. I, I, I don't, I, and then, and then you, said, you knew the Lord was calling you to do this, and you did it. And God has blessed that in an amazing way. I see people who have become involved in ministries here in our area, like the, the blessing box, some, some folks who said, you know, I, I don't have much, but I can go and put some stuff in a box every week. You just show me what to do. And, and, and you've done that. And, and we get notes back all the time from people saying how much that ministry has blessed them. I saw you last Sunday morning. We had our angel tree out. had a full tree full of all kinds of kids. It was gone before the 11 o'clock service started. You'd already taken all the names. It's amazing what Jesus can do if we just take the little that we have and put it in the Master's hand. Heavenly Father, help us to learn the lesson of this miracle. Oh, what an amazing thing it would have been to be, have been there that day. To see you bless that little boy's lunch and then See it passed out amongst all that great crowd of people and have so much left over. God, that would have impacted our life in such a profound way. But Lord, you do this all the time. As we, as your followers, make this same decision. As we decide, Lord, what little I have, what, what little gifts I have, what little talents I have, what little resources I have, I dedicate them to you. And as we do that, Lord, you multiply those in amazing, profound, wonderful ways. 
God, help us realize how much you can do with what we will put in your hands. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.